I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squiggly Careers podcast, where each week we share ideas for action and tools to try out that we hope will help you, and always us, navigate our squiggly careers with more confidence, clarity, and control. And this week, we're going to be talking about how to bust the career myths that hold you back. It's inspired by, well, Sarah and I, we were always thinking, like, oh, what would be useful for people to talk about on the podcast? Like, there's no giant plan of, like, 20 episodes, everybody. (laughs) It's generally the week before, and Sarah and me are, like, WhatsApping each other going, what is on people's minds right now and we had this sort of floating idea around career myths and assumptions that get in people's way and I put a post on LinkedIn just to sort of test whether this was something that was relevant and I shared some myths and then I asked other people to say like would this be a valuable thing for us to cover and what other myths do you think get in people's way and I had loads of comments I was like wow this is something that people really have an opinion on so we've sort of validated that there are many myths that are holding us back and we are going to talk about how we can bust some of the most common ones so I feel like myth is not a word that we you know myth's a funny word don't you think I think it's like a like a a story time with my kids type of word it must come from mythical right I guess is that is that right so yeah it feels sort of fairy tale like doesn't it yeah, so um, we've done a bit of Googling to work out well, how, how would a myth be defined. Apparently, it is a traditional story or a widely held belief. And in the context of careers, a myth could be something like climbing a ladder is the best way to succeed at work. We have an opinion on that statement, by the way, which you probably, <laughs> you're probably well aware of. But the issue really with myths is that when context changes, so like, for example, um, the world of work becomes much more dynamic and different and those myths remain, then it stops people like exploring their potential. They, they don't question it, basically. They assume that's true for everyone for all time. And even though the context has changed, they're still in that sort of old way of thinking and that can really get in the way of their growth and their development. So that's that's why we almost want to identify what are these myths and then do some practical myth busting and there are three principles of challenging myths because I think that's what we're trying to do we're trying to check are these things still true and the fact that they're a myth implies that maybe not but perhaps we're just so used to thinking in that way we keep doing what we've always done so these three principles are quite helpful because we're going to talk about five common squiggly career myths, but you might have other ones. You might have, I think organisations have myths. So you might have certain myths that your organisation have or your team have. So whatever myth busting you're trying to do, these three things are useful. The first one is ask, don't assume. So 
asking really good kind of quality questions that help us to challenge whether it's the status quo or those myths. And that can feel like a confronting thing to do because those myths might have been around for a long time. We might all feel very used to them. But I think that's a starting point that we all need to have more of this questioning mindset or like some of the work that Adam Grant over at Wharton has done where he talks about rethinking. I think it's almost giving ourselves the permission to do some rethinking. And to do that, we've got to ask some new questions or ask some questions for the first time. Second thing that can be useful when you're exploring a myth is to think about, well, what is the opposite? Because opposites open up thinking. So if we're thinking, well, a myth at the moment is in our organisation or in our team, everybody still thinks about careers as ladders. It is actually useful to think almost like visually, well, what is the opposite to a ladder? What's like an opposite word to a ladder? So if you were just approaching something from the exact opposite direction, like what would that be? And I found that really useful as we've been thinking about some of these things. If you're thinking about a weakness, what is a strength? You know, that's kind of the opposite. Opposite to a weakness is a strength. So opposites are really helpful. And then finally, look out for any outliers that tell a different story. Now, outliers might genuinely be a one-off or they could be evidence of something different or that things are changing. So perhaps you've got one team in your organisation that seems to be doing things differently and perhaps we don't really understand it, but we're like, oh, they're real outliers. They seem to be approaching how we recruit people in a completely different way or they seem to be looking at careers in a very different way. They're sort of doing something different. And often I think we dismiss different as, oh, well, they're almost doing something that's kind of not helpful, or maybe they're like challenging for challenging sake. I think it is really easy to be dismissive about something that feels unfamiliar, because we like things that feel comfortable and familiar for what we've done before. But outliers, I think, are really helpful when we're trying to challenge these myths. In listening to you, I've spotted a bit of alliteration, Sarah, which might come out in the, in, in the pod <laughs> sheet, uh, which is those three general principles. I think of it as outliers that Sarah just talked about, opposites. And I think the other one is origins. You know, the ask, don't assume is like, what's the origin of that myth and has stuff changed mm. since then? So origins, opposites and outliers may well be reflected in this week's pod sheet. <laughs> sometimes it's just when we listen to each other that we sort of spot some things in what we're saying. So the five common myths, the way this is going to work is we're going to go through the myths that we see here and, and relate to most. And then we're going to talk about the opposite. So we're going to bust that myth. And then as ever, because we want to be really practical, we've got an idea for action. So we'll have five myths that get busted and five ideas for actions to go do something differently and myth number one that I relate to is that asking for help is a sign of weakness and yeah I think we all probably know why this is a myth that gets perpetuated you know people see in their mind that it means that you don't know what you're doing or you know you're worried about what people might think about you if you ask for help or you know that you don't want people to think you're not capable all that kind of stuff and it just reinforces this myth that asking for help is a sign of weakness so let's bust the myth because the opposite is actually true Asking for help is a sign of strength and it will accelerate your development. And personally, this is something that I have really, really realised because I used to struggle. I, mean, I still don't find it really easy, but I used to struggle quite a lot with asking for help. But partly it was like sort of a determination issue. I was a bit like, it wasn't sort of like, a, I don't want to ask for help because people think I'm not very good at what I'm doing. It was a sort of, 
I don't want to ask for help because I want the perverse pleasure of having done it myself. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I just want to keep going and I want to keep at it. And then I started to realize that that was slowing me down. It was also tended to slow the people around me down as well because I became a bit of a bottleneck. And I think sometimes I still do this actually. Rather than saying, no. <laughs> she's so mean. <laughs> I still do. I'm trying to get better at it. Oh, I know I, you are. <laughs> but I do think if this is a myth that like you kind of you work with, to be honest, and it might be holding you back, I do think it is worth you reflecting on why do you struggle to ask for help? So is it that you worry what other people might think? Is it because you've got this weird thing that I have that I need to keep hold of because I've got to get it done because I've said I will or whatever is going on in my mind with it? Because I think it makes the the thing that you do next in order to bust that myth a bit more real and relevant to you. And there is a brilliant quote from Barack Obama about asking for help. And I always think it's particularly pertinent and poignant when someone who you sort of feel surely he never needs to ask for help he's just amazing at everything um but one of the things that he says is don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it I do that every day asking for help isn't a sign of weakness it's a sign of strength it shows you have the courage to admit when you don't know something and to learn something new and I just think if I could ever just get a summary of a quote that really shows everything that we're trying to talk about here. You know, he talks about learning. He talks about doing it every day. Like, don't be afraid of it. It's not something that we should be fearful of. And I think, well, if it's good enough for him, I think it's good enough for all of us. Yeah, we can all be more Barrack just by asking for yeah. help. And we were trying to think of just an example to make it really real. So I think the thing where I've really made a shift is occasionally an amazing if we don't do it all the time, but there'll be events that we are organising, like for a book launch or something that we're doing for the partners that we work with on the different programmes that we run. And I think I would have used, I used to just be like, I'll book it, I'll do it. I wouldn't ask for help. I would add that on top of whatever else I was doing and try and just squirrel away at it in the evenings and do as much as I could. And and I think I've become much better now at asking for help from people that I can see can do stuff better than me because they're just more organised and on top of it. And also because I also recognise that it's not just about them doing it better than me. It's that if I try and do everything, I'm not going to do anything particularly well. And so that sort of do it all versus delegate thing. I've just got a lot more comfortable now with signalling when I think I need help because someone can do it better or I need help because I can't do it all. And the idea for action so that you can put this into play in whatever you're doing at work is to make the ask easy. So rather than going, I'm really struggling, I need help, which might be a reflection of how you're feeling, but it's hard for someone to respond to that because I don't really know what you need. If you can be a bit more specific, it's easier for people to help you. It often also reduces the fear in you asking for the help because there's just a bit more clarity in the request. And so maybe break it down into what we call like the three S's. Think about, are you looking for support? So is this a, a situation that feels challenging and you could just do with somebody to sort of listen to you because so you can get it off your chest? Do you need solutions? So are you thinking, I don't know how to do this. It's really hard and I haven't done this before. And I could just do with a bit of help in coming up with some new solutions. Or maybe the third one is a sounding board. So maybe you have got some ideas and you're not quite sure what the right one is to move forward. And what you want is maybe someone that can question and challenge and just to help you think it through a bit more. And that idea of sort of framing the ask in support solutions or sounding board might just make it easier for you to say and easier for somebody else to say yes to, to give you the help that you need. 
And I think we've both found this really useful. So this is also a really good conversation to have as part of a team, because I think most of us often default to one of these. So perhaps you're a default supporter, solutionizer, or you're someone who's really good at a sounding board. And what Helen and I have realized is Helen's default is solutions. My default is probably sounding board, because in sounding board, you get to do ideas. I get to like generate new ideas. And funnily enough, I think what we're both finding is what we probably often need most from each other is support. It's just someone to listen and to help us figure out how we're feeling or why we might be feeling that way. You sort of don't need someone to solve it. And actually, we don't need more ideas either. And so I think this has also really helped both of us in both kind of asking and giving help. It's just a really simple framework that I think means you can more quickly get what you need and give what's helpful. So myth number two is talking about my talents is arrogant slash uncomfortable slash awkward. Add in your own adjective there, whichever works best for you. And so this idea of like talking about our strengths can often just feel really hard. And I think it is interesting that one of our most listened to podcasts is how to make your strengths stand out and show up. Because I think we're all acknowledging that myth in that that's why we've listened to that episode lots of people listen to that episode because we're like oh we know this is something we should do but I don't really know how to do it so I think this is like this the problem with this myth is it's become one of those should things but it's sort of the practical reality of doing this feels really hard so to bust this myth the first thing we definitely need to recognize is that sharing your strengths is, is a good thing. It means that other people can spot opportunities for you to use them more. If you want to do more of what you're good at, if you want to make that strength stronger, if you want to spend more time on the things that give you energy, the things that you enjoy, opportunities to find your flow, we have got to talk about our talents. We've got to share our strengths. Appreciate it's not easy, but the the kind of the win-win for this is that like you'll get better, but also your teams and your organizations will also get better as well. So there's lots of kind of positive outcomes from this. Again, I think it's just sometimes the, well, how do I do this in a way that doesn't make me cringe or that just feels natural to me, doesn't feel forced. And so an example to me of this feeling natural and not forced and, and that I'm comfortable with, I don't feel it sounds arrogant, would be, so you, first of all, you've got to kind of acknowledge you have a strength. So it starts with you being clear about a talent that you've got. So for example, one of my slightly weirder talents is sort of pithy, pithy comments. So what, what do I mean by that? Like if I'm writing a social post, for example, I can often summarize something into quite a shareable statement, which is quite helpful when social media, or if Sarah and I maybe with like, um, well, a podcast, you know, earlier, I just said origins and whatever the other two O's were that have gone out of my head. But often in the course of a conversation, I can find a way to create clarity in some sort of particularly sticky statements. Now, now, what I work with a charity, so I'm a trustee of a charity, and I, rather than going to them, I'm good at coming up with sticky statements. I mean, I would never say that because <laughs> that just sounds really weird and also not that useful. What I did was there's a campaign, for example, that the charity runs every year. It's connected to something called The Big Give. And I basically said, oh, I can look through the copy and the positioning and see how I can help you. And so what I was trying to do there was I was confident enough to say, I can look through this and see how I can help you because I thought I could help them. But I didn't have to. I was sort of sharing my strengths with them in a way that I thought was useful, but without sounding arrogant. So I wasn't going, I can revolutionize your copy with my sticky and pithy statements because, yeah, that 
I don't know if I could do that. And it also sounds really weird. I just said, like, let me have a look at it. Basically, I think I can help with the positioning because I believed in that strength that I've got. And then it did make a difference to what was communicated. And I hope I can offer that support to them again. But it's that idea of being clear about a strength you've got thinking how it could be useful to somebody else and then proactively sharing it with them and when you connect those things that's not an arrogant thing to do that is a useful way that you can help someone else do something that they are working on yeah and I wonder if that's a bit of a reframe that's part of busting this myth is you know we start by being self-conscious about almost like oh but I've got to talk about something I'm good at versus starting with well how could this be beneficial for someone else you know, almost like starting with the, actually, I'm being helpful or I'm going to be useful. And so our idea for action here is share, don't sell your strengths. And I've all, I always remember this statement that somebody I worked for once said to me when we were thinking a bit about strengths and how we could show people as a team how we could support them. She always said, don't tell me you're funny, tell me a joke. So this is almost Helen's point about it's weird to just start going around saying, hi, I'm great at dot, dot, dot. And none of us do that, which I think is why that podcast episode is so popular. So if we can have a sharing mindset rather than a selling mindset, firstly, I think we all feel more comfortable with that because we're sharing and that feels useful, that feels helpful. And also it's something that we can all do. So if you think about one of your strengths, think about how could you share it with someone else? Maybe that is one other person through some strengths mentoring. I really like the idea of everybody doing strengths mentoring in teams and in organisations, like going, well, this is my strength is I'm great at starting stuff from scratch. Helen's strength is she can write you a pithy comment for social amongst lots of other things. And then it suddenly gives us all permission to actually be talking about those strengths because someone could come to you and say, oh, I'm trying to get better at that. Or can you talk to me about how you do that? And that feels really helpful. Or maybe you could run something like a masterclass, you know, like, oh, a masterclass in or a lunch and learn. Or perhaps you could join up with a couple of other people who are good at something similar to you. And you could do that together. You know, you're almost talking about your talents together as a group. So perhaps it could even be what are our strengths as a team, as well as what are your strengths as an individual? And we do also know this has one extra benefit in that the best way to learn anything and to get better at anything is to share it. Because when we uh, think about a strength and we have to share it with someone else, we do have to deconstruct what is it that makes us good at that thing. So Helen writing those pithy comments for social, she can probably just do that. It sort of comes naturally to her. She's sort of good at it. And she's not really thinking through like, here's the formula for how I do this. So if Helen then has to share that strength with me into one-to-one strength mentoring, she's got to think about, what is it that I do and how do I do it and how could I share this with someone else? So Helen's strength gets even stronger as a result. Basically, everybody's winning here when we bust this myth, I feel. Also, I'm just trying to think it through, like make it really real. So the other thing is when you are confident in talking about your strengths and spotting opportunities to help other people, then I think other people also start spotting opportunities for you. So we have this thing that we do in our confidence session where we talk about a movement from a limiting belief that holds you back to a limitless belief that moves you forward. And it's a little bit of a play with language that can really sort like a narrative out in your head. And Sarah will often say, if you're struggling with moving from a a limiting to a limitless belief, then get in touch with Helen afterwards, because this is 
something that she does well. And it's the same strength. Mm. It's the same thing. It's this ability to like play with language to create these quite sticky statements. But because Sarah knows that, because we've talked about it together and she's seen it, she will then find other opportunities for me to do it more. And that's what happens here. So suddenly you don't even have to talk about your talents that much because other people see that it's useful and start They're talking about it for, it for you. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, really useful. Um, so that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Useful uh, strengths, not talents being arrogant. So myth number three is if it doesn't exist yet, I can't do it. So this might be if a job doesn't exist, I can't do it. If no one has worked in the way that I want to, I can't do it. Like if that's not my company's policy, it's not possible for me. Or maybe there's something you want to learn, but it's like, well, they don't learn that here, so I can't do it here. Those sorts of assumptions, if I can't see it, I can't be it, that sort of thing. And we would like to bust that myth because it holds people back. And it also keeps people stuck in the situation that exists today. And you do have the opportunity to design your own development. We are not saying it's always easy and we've got an idea for action to make it practical for you, but it is possible. It is definitely possible to be the first person to do something, to create something that doesn't exist today. For me in my career, an example of that would be when I worked at BP, and I created a brand new team from scratch. Like we had a new manager coming into the business and I took my ideas of the wider department structure and what I thought was missing and what I thought filling that gap could look like and why that would be a benefit of the business. And I put it into a presentation and I pitched it. And as a result of that, I created a team that didn't exist until I shared that and I created myself a new role. But if I had waited for somebody else to, I mean, they might never have done that. They might not have spotted the same thing that I had seen or positioned that opportunity in the same way. So it was possible. I had to go after it, but it definitely was possible to create something that didn't exist until I did it. What about you, Sarah? I was thinking about this because actually I think this is a myth that I have never subscribed to. <laughs> and maybe that's because I do think certain myths are probably linked to our own beliefs that we have about ourselves. And I think because I am someone who likes to create things and I like to create something from nothing, if it doesn't exist, I just see it as an opportunity to create. I'm like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love to it. And I like newness. I like new things and I like change. But that doesn't mean it's not sometimes scary. And it definitely means having a create, not wait mindset when it comes to your development. My probably most significant example was when I moved from a five to a four day week. And now that doesn't seem like a big deal at all. But at the time, there was very few people working a four day week. There was certainly nobody I knew who worked a four day week. So they could spend one day on some sort of slightly abstract idea that she'd got about careers and career development. And we were way off, really amazing if looking and feeling anything like it does today. I couldn't say, oh, because on that Friday, I'm going to record a podcast and I'm going to write a book, you know, like in the way that I could very specifically now. I just had a sense that I would be better in all of the work that I did if I had some space outside of my day to day and outside of an organisation to just do something different. So it felt like quite a vague ask in lots of ways, which definitely made it more uncomfortable. And I have talked about before, my goodness, did I pitch that idea? I mean, I went all out on a very, very long pitch. It was absolutely not needed. And we've talked before about project on a page. I do think pitch on a page, like you do not need to create a 20 page PowerPoint to pitch something. I've been there and you really, really don't. And actually it's harder to pitch on a page. And if you can get what you're trying to 
change or what you're trying to create onto a page, you've probably got really good clarity in terms of what you want to do and why you want to do it. And you're probably much more likely to get a yes. I had a brilliant boss at the time who could see through the 20 page deck and could sort of probably in her head get to the pitch on a page. But I think I was probably a little bit reliant in that moment of having a brilliant boss. And I think you don't want to make your development dependent on other people. So kind of do yourself a favor here and create. Creating often does require support. So make that support easier to kind of get from other people. And so the idea for action is to pitch, prototype and pilot. And what do we mean by that? So pitch, pull together, like pitch on a page. So so summarise the idea and show it to somebody that can maybe build on it. And to Sarah's point, you can get a bit of support for it prototype can you bring it to life in some way so that people can see what you're trying to say like you're just trying to make it a little bit more real like almost the more real it becomes the more buy-in you can get along the way because it just becomes a little bit more tangible and then the third bit is pilot like give it a go but not with the expectation that it has to succeed I think the good thing about pilot is people often give you a bit more permission to experiment because you're not committing to doing this forever and it's really funny actually as as I was um sort of talking this one through I was thinking about a amazing if because the myth if it doesn't exist I can't do it could have got in our way but we didn't we were like if it doesn't exist then we can do it was more like our mindset and we did a pitch on the page I think I still have it somewhere so I've got to dig it out which is right from the (laughs) early days of like it was like a one-page document that we sent to a couple of people, I remember, uh, I think Sherilyn, um, who was the co-founder, well, the founder of the Marketing Academy, I think she might have had it, a couple of other people did. Okay, this one-page document that just had the concept on there to get a bit of feedback and got a bit real. And then we sort of prototyped what could it look like. And I put that picture on social media today because it's from 10 years ago and I found the prototype of all of our very first sessions where we were sort of designing them. And then Pilot is like, the first session and I remember us doing the first session we didn't really know what we were doing but we were just live learning which is you know what you're doing most of the time but you're very actively live learning when you're doing a pilot and so I promise you it's what we have done and you know sometimes you do that and you learn a bit and you decide you don't want to continue with this thing but the not knowing or it not being visible doesn't have to get in the way of you doing it and giving it a go. You should definitely try and find that pitch on a page and see see what we said and whether we're still doing what we said or how much it's changed okay. I was sort of thinking and, what's and then but I want approval before you share that with everybody else <laughs> <laughs> okay you heard you heard it here everyone <laughs> which is the exact opposite by the way everybody of a growth mindset so uh, <laughs> pretend you didn't hear that even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So I missed them before is I need to tick all the boxes to apply. So whether this is ticking all the boxes to apply for a role or just feeling like there's a checklist somewhere that you kind of go, well, I couldn't possibly mentor that person because I don't have enough experience. I don't tick all of the boxes. I couldn't move from one team to a different department because I don't tick all of the boxes. You know, that sort of sense of, Often, sometimes it's an imaginary checklist in our minds, or sometimes it might be a real checklist that you can see in a job description, and it gets in the way from us exploring our potential. And so I think it is really important that we bust this myth because practically, I do think job descriptions still often do read a bit like wish lists. And so one of the things that we've done recently when we have been advertising roles is we have a very clear sentence in those job descriptions. And we I don't think we even call them job descriptions where we just sort of say, here's a bit about the what and the how. On the first page of when we describe a job, we'll say, you know, you don't need to be able to do everything that we, we're going to describe. We really want to know what you can do. And it's absolutely fine if you've got gaps along the way. And so I think just remembering that sometimes they are wish lists and that also what people really care about is, well, can this person learn? Can you learn to do those things? Because the vast majority, if not everything, I was trying to think if there's anything that isn't learnable, but we sort of know that the way that our brains work is that they've all got that neuroplasticity. They're all ripe and ready for growing. We can all keep developing new neurons and connections, and that's possible for all of us forever, hopefully. And so we've got that ability. So knowing and showing that you're really willing to learn and having that kind of learning agility to me feels way more important than do I feel like if I went through a job spec I could kind of tick everything that they're talking about I can't think about ripe and ready without seeing my brain as an avocado because I feel like that's the sticker (laughs) that's the sticker that's always on the good avocados yeah ripe and ready I'm like oh it's a good one Uh, but an example maybe of this, I think my job at Microsoft would have been a really good example of this. So the first time I did it at Microsoft, Director of Audience Evangelism, like what was on that job? I mean, I definitely did not tick the vast majority of the boxes, like knowledgeable about evangelism, knowledgeable about technology. But I had met some other people in the team and I loved the culture and I thought there were some other things that I could bring. And I was just confident enough to sell those rather than unconfident enough to put myself forward because Personally, I just look at those bullet points as kind of like, oh, that's sort of the stuff. Or that might be what you've got on the person right now. But then I go, but you've not met me and I'm going to bring you something different. And I think it's a very, and I recognize that as quite a confident position because this is not a myth that has held me back. And I know it's really hard if this is one. But I think if you can get to that, if you can go, those bullet points are just them either describing the person that does the role right now, who's probably written the job description, or is like this ideal scenario and try not to let that get in your way, then you can often put yourself forward for so many more opportunities than you would otherwise. And so what I would also say about this is I have applied for lots of things where I haven't ticked lots of the boxes. 
and haven't been successful. So I've kind of been unsuccessful in maybe the outcome. So you don't get the job, you don't get the role. And this is not just sort of when I was in organisations, I've also applied for things to do either voluntarily or more sort of trustee type things. I've also applied for and also not been successful in. And I think it's really important when you have that experience that you don't then think, oh, well, that's because I didn't tick all the boxes. Mm. Because whether it's naive or just hopeful, I never come away from those experiences thinking, oh, well, I shouldn't have applied in the first place. I always come away from those experiences thinking, oh, well, I've increased my self-awareness. I've probably learned from that process. I've usually made some really good connections. Maybe I've built some new relationships. There was one role that I went for, it would have been about this time last year, that was um, a chair role that I would have loved to have got for an organisation I really love that I wasn't successful in. But I really enjoyed the application process, the interview process. I actually met someone who we actually work with through Amazing If, and I was like, oh, that, that that was a really nice moment of serendipity. And also it was good practice for me, having a conversation in a different way about, the work that I do and kind of who I am is sort of, I don't have many interviews in quite the same way anymore. And so actually I came away from that going, oh, it wasn't that I didn't tick all the boxes. It's just that I kind of wasn't the right person at that time. And this is where the idea for action that we're going to talk about comes in, which we're calling own the gap. So rather than mind the gap or ignore the gap, let's own the gap. Because I think it's really important to talk transparently about what you've not got and use those gaps as opportunities for growth. So I think it's really hard to pretend to be good at something that you're not, or to try and, and do you like not think fake- that increases imposter syndrome as well. Like if you're pretending, yeah. then I always feel like if I pretended, then I'm going to get found out. So just being like yeah. open from the outset is just easier. You don't risk the imposter syndrome thing. Yeah, I do think faking equals a fear of being found out yeah and so I yeah I really remember in that interview that job that I would have loved but I didn't get I remember there was one question where I was like I like I don't I don't know this like this is just not my world this is not my area of expertise but I already knew that going into that interview so the way that I responded to that question was much more about oh I'm aware that this is something I've not got experience of so far but I find it really fascinating. And then I talked quite specifically about almost like how I might see that gap as an opportunity for growth and what that could look like. Maybe some things that I'd kind of done a bit of research on, a bit of reading, watching, listening, so that I could demonstrate that I'd sort of gone a bit further than going, oh, I know I've got a gap. I'd also thought about, well, how could that gap be an opportunity for growth? And I'd done a bit of growing prior to that conversation. I hadn't filled that gap. I was miles away from filling that gap. But I think you get from people you certainly want to work with and from, I got a lot of appreciation from the kind of the honesty and a little bit of vulnerability and got really good feedback on my response to that question. And actually, we often talk to organisations where because we get nervous about the gaps that we've got, they'll often say to us, like, how, how do we get people to own the gap? Because people are maybe having interviews about transferring their talents or doing something differently. And people are not prepared to talk about the gaps. And I think we've got to create cultures and environments where people feel really safe and confident to go, well, this is absolutely me at my best and here's where I'm brilliant and here's loads of examples and shining a spotlight on our strengths and all that really good stuff. And then also acknowledge no one is perfect. No one is going into a job interview 
being equally brilliant at everything. Again, if you start to sort of say it like that, you're like, it sounds ridiculous. But I think sometimes we have ended up with this myth of going, ticking all the boxes, and then I need to go into an interview and pretend to be perfect. And I think Sarah and I are both doing quite a lot of interviewing at the moment because we've got new roles for Amazing If. And um, I was interviewing someone yesterday and I was actually really conscious of the language that I was using so that somebody could comfortably tell me which bits of the roles felt less familiar to them. But I didn't want to frame it as like, what are you nervous about? Or what do you think you you can't do yet? Because I thought that's probably not a comfortable thing for someone to talk about if they don't you know they don't know us very well and so I said um what areas the role feel like the newest areas to you and I think just Mm -hmm. talking about it is like what feels like new is potentially an easy way like if you're a manager who's trying to get somebody to talk about this and but you want to create a comfortable environment I think in an interview saying you know what is it in the job description that feels like a new area for you is sort of it's better than saying what do you not know how to do yet and someone might feel like oh I don't want to say that because you're looking for the gap that I've got that's interesting because Helen and I have not talked about, we're not doing these interviews together. And I asked a similar question and phrased it slightly differently. Ooh, so uh, I went for what in the role would you be looking forward to doing for the first time? Ah, nice. Yes. Which I think we're both trying our hardest to get to the same thing. <laughs> and I think you're right. It's the kind of the newness. It's the first time. And again, I'm not trying to catch anyone out. I think no. people will know what you're asking, but I'm hoping that it gives people permission to say, it's okay. oh, well, I've. I've never done this before and I would yeah. I liked the looking forward to because I, I was then hoping that that might give people like almost like positive permission to be like I haven't done that but excited to learn it and to give it a go and I'd be like okay great good to know <laughs> it just made me think actually if anyone would benefit from some questions I think Sarah and I are trying very much always to put in place the culture that we talk about on the podcast in the conversations that we're having about our company and so if anybody would like oh what are some of these sort of growth mindset open types of interview questions that you ask then let us know you can just email us at Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com and maybe if enough people if we only get one message we'll just reply to one person <laughs> but if enough people email us then we might create like I don't know some kind of asset or something with potentially a pithy statement no not really but um, maybe there'll be something that we share that if it's useful for people so the final myth myth number five is that going back means going backwards and this is the idea that maybe we're still being quite ladder-like in terms of how we're thinking about our career where up is good and back is bad and therefore what people do when this myth is in their mind is they're not really looking at all the directions they could be developing in And if we're going to bust this myth, uh, I guess that the reality that we're trying to recognize is that going back to something you've done before is really just another direction for you to develop in. And all you're doing is keeping your options open and actually going back definitely doesn't mean going backwards and going back doesn't always mean doing exactly what you've done before so I can think of so many ways that I could go back in my career I could go back to a profession like I really loved marketing I actually really enjoyed sales I loved innovation I could go back to any of those areas and I'd actually probably be really happy in those jobs there are some companies that I've loved working for there are some people that I've loved working for mm. and even just thinking about that I think I could create in my mind really quickly 10 different progression possibilities for me that were all based on going back to somewhere or someone or something I've done before. And it's really interesting, actually, with Sarah and me in that we have 
gone back to people that we have worked with before. And we've gone back to organizations we've worked with before in our business Amazing Gift today. So like, for example, you know, we work with Virgin, we work with Microsoft, Sarah, we've worked with, like we've worked with like your old managers in lots of different contexts, actually. (laughs) And that's because going back can just unlock those opportunities if you're willing to give it a go and to just let go of any kind of ladder-like concept that that's a bad thing to do. So the idea for action here that can help you to do this, because there's a mindset point, which is like, just be open to it. But then there's a practical point about what can you specifically do. And we would recommend working your weak ties. Now we have done a podcast on this very point. So if you'd like to dive into it deeper, that's probably a good listen after this. But the weak ties are effectively people that you don't work with on a day-to-day basis. So there's some kind of connection, but it's almost not a constant one. So it might be um, generally weak ties could be people that you know in a community around your profession or somebody maybe that you've worked with before. And that's what we'd recommend doing here. Reconnect with people that you've learned from or been inspired by or benefited from in previous roles because those people can help you connect the dots in terms of going back to something you've done before so I might reconnect with my a manager that I've worked with or I might reconnect with a colleague in a company that I used to have some conversations with that I haven't spoken to for a while and it often feels like an easier place to start because there's some form of kind of common history with that person and from a conversation can come lots of opportunities so work your weak ties go back to those people that you've worked with before and just have curious conversations with them because you you never know where that can take you You never know what opportunities that might unlock. And as we've been going through today, I was thinking, if you feel like myths are getting in your way, it might be worth doing some almost myth mapping and thinking about, well, what are my myths? So what do I feel are holding me back? You could also do some team myth mapping. So what myths do we feel are getting in the way of our team and doing a great job as our team? And then almost organisationally, what in our culture, what are those kind of myths that feel like they're really sticking around that again we could do with some myth busting because I do wonder whether you get to some different answers I think individually versus team versus organization you probably have some sort of different myths and they have different levels of impact in terms of how we behave and and what we do so I think this could be interesting in, in loads of different areas and if you do try doing any of these ideas for action or talking in your teams about myths, we'd love to hear from you because we always like to know what's useful, but also equally what's not and what other conversations you might have had or what myths we might have missed that you think are really important for us to think about in the future. And so we will summarise the myths, we will summarise the myth busting and we will summarise the idea for action in this week's pod sheet. You can always get that on amazingif.com. It's just the podcast page on our website and you'll be able to find all of those. And Sarah, before we say goodbye, can I do a squiggly shout out? Go for it. (laughs) She's like, where is this going, Helen? I would love to do a squiggly shout out to Holly Tucker, who had Sarah and me on her podcast, Conversations of Inspiration, which is obviously a very kind thing to do, to just spend your time with us talking and share our message with the community. But... Over and above that, I think that Holly is just an amazing person who supports other people to succeed. And I sort of just want to recognise her for it because it goes above and beyond talking to us on a podcast. It's sharing our work. It's advocating for us. It's just really positive about the impact. And no one has to do that. And I've really appreciated how she sort of got behind us and encouraged us and given us her time on our podcast as well as giving 
you know, giving, sharing our story with her community. So Holly Tucker is all kinds of amazing. Follow Holly and Co. Listen to our podcast conversation if you like, but probably more importantly, listen to conversations of inspiration more generally because she has some really special people talking on there. And she's a, I think she's a very special person. Yeah, I think she's not someone who I knew as well as Helen before our conversation together. And straight away, within about 10 minutes, you realise she has zero say-do gap. So she absolutely lives and breathes everything that she says and believes in. And you just get that sense from her so quickly when you meet her. I was meeting her for the first time, really, just chatting to her. And I was like, wow, she cares. She's so committed. And she kind of really believes in what she's doing. And it just sort of has that ripple effect that those people who kind of bring that passion and that advocacy and like you say a lot of it is very is very sort of selfless she sort of really uses all of her energy and her ideas to support other small businesses so yeah it was just being part of that conversation felt like a really lovely thing but I also felt like I learned a lot from just talking to her which was great and time in her company even just by listening to the things that she shares it's, it's, it's well worth some time um, so thank you so much for listening today hopefully you will find all of the resources but if you ever can't just email us as we said Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com or get in touch with us on social media we're at amazingif on Instagram and you can also find amazingif on LinkedIn as well so thank you so much for listening we'll be back with you again soon bye for now Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 